0: This is Newhouse at Night. Hear tomorrow's star broadcasters today. Live on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio Syracuse.
1: Welcome on to ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com here for Newhouse at Night, Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. with Mr. Michael Valegas. I'm Luke Schwartz, and we're back here in our comfortable seats for another Tuesday night. Last time, it was freezing cold. This time, we're seeing a little bit of rain, but the temperature's a little bit higher, Michael.
0: I'll take it. 40 degrees. I'll take it all day. Not single digits, not negative wind chills. I'm good with that. Yeah,
1: why not? <laughs> and especially for a guy that's from Florida, yep. making his way over to New Jersey. So you would definitely prefer that heat, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, well, we started this show off last week and the week before talking about food, so let's keep it on the same thing. What was your best meal of today?
0: It's probably breakfast. Okay. I was going to say, you only have two choices. Yeah, really I had breakfast. <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet. Mom, I will have dinner. Yes, yet again, again. Um, bacon, egg, and cheese on a croissant. Okay. That would be it. It was very, it was very good. Was you very know good. what? Here's the funny part. I actually had the exact same thing as you. Did we you? Had...
1: Yeah. You, <laughs> you son <laughs> yeah, of a gun. I know. <laughs> I know. I, know. I <laughs> went down to food.com. I said, you know what? I have a coffee, but we need some substance in our belly. So made sure to go and uh, grab bacon, egg, and cheese. Plain bagel, though. Because oh. if you get a bagel that isn't plain. It takes away from the substance that's on the inside. That's your gooiness. That's the good stuff right there. So your plain bagel is just to keep it all together, but you want to suck out all the good stuff in the middle when it comes to the bacon. Oh, nice and crispy. You got the cheddar cheese and the egg made just perfectly. Wow, my knees are weak just thinking wow. about how good that food yeah. was. You okay? Was <laughs> she good? Well, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. It's 6:02. No dinner yet in our belly, but we're feeling good. You know? Oh yeah. Always feeling good. <laughs> Always feeling good. Well, tonight we've got a full slate for all of you listening on the radio, QSportsDoc.com, and a few of you tuning in live to Instagram. If you want to go over to Instagram for some reason, check out some stuff over there. We're on at my personal account at Luke w. Schwartz 33 But tonight we're talking about a few Jim Bayheim comments that continue to go viral because... 78-year-old and 47 years of coaching at Syracuse, it seems like he's got a few things to say these days. And we're also talking about Syracuse men's basketball win on the road against Boston College women's win against Boston College, some SU men's and women's lacks, and then the cherry on top, we've got a very special guest coming around 6.30 tonight, Jeremy Striano, a great Newhouse student and friend of ours, and we're doing a little bit of a Super Bowl snake draft where he, we're just going, we don't know the questions yet. He's just bringing them <laughs> over. He's going to sit right in between us. This chair has JS, Juicy J, Jeremy Striano <laughs> written all over it, and it's going to be a really fun time. But to start things off, Let's go into Jim Beheim's comment. I'm going to read it to you. Yep. I know you know it, but yeah. for everyone at home, and I want to hear what everybody's take on it. So Jim Beheim, following the win against Boston College. The man, uh, Bren Axe, I- I'm going to give him credit for this. He said Jim Beheim is someone different after a game. When he's not after a game, he's pretty poised he's composed he knows what to say he's dialed in but something about him post game he's just got something to say he's wired differently pete Thamel of espn goes up to him after the post game conference and says can i ask you a few questions well he's got four letters above of name called espn that makes jim Beheim say huh okay we have a relationship let's talk and they're talking about the nil name image and likeness and coach Beheim said this is an awful place we're in in college basketball Pittsburgh bought a team. Wake Forest bought a team. Miami bought a team. It's like, really? This is where we are? That's really where we are, and it's only going to get worse. And he also argued it's the reason longtime Duke head coach K and Villanova coach Jay Wright got out. What are your thoughts on Beheim's comments?
0: Uh, those are bold. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like he's not the only one that feels that way. I'm sure there's many coaches that are frustrated that can't compete that are like, well, it's not just, it's not a fair game anymore where it's just straight recruitment based off of your academics, your program, and, and your your elite status, I guess, with those, with, you know, how much you produce to go onto the professional level. But he's not the only one, but it's you, it's rare for a coach to come out and just say that. And then on top of the fact, call out schools individually, which was the part that I was like, that's... That's a bold move. That's part where it's like, and he came out and apologized for it, obviously. But it, it was it was a bold statement on his part. But I don't think he's alone in that one. Personally, I think it's going that way anyway. Like the NIL deals, it's happening in college football. It's happening in, in college sports altogether, but especially in college basketball. So it, it didn't surprise me. The part that surprised me was that calling out the the Miami, the Wake Forest, and the Pitt individually in our conference in ACC play. So that you can't do. Like you know that you've been a, he's been a coach for a long time. You just can't do that. Um, so that that's really kind of where where I stand on that. But I don't technically disagree. It is going that way where teams are buying their their players now. Now it's like who's going to offer me the most money based off their NIL deal, and you get the number one recruiter, you get a, a top recruit that way. So I mean, it is what it is, and that's the way it's going. But to have those comments to say that you know you're you know you're always on or you know on the record there, it, it, that was tough. What about you? What do you think?
1: One, I don't think he actually apologized. I think uh, the director of athletics probably wrote that up for him. I don't think that
0: was actually. <laughs> uh, I was like, him wait, was I thought he apologized, but I get what you're saying. That he. <laughs> no, uh,
1: I don't think he, he little, had. A
0: little forced? <laughs>
1: no, yeah. I don't think he had anything to do with that apology. I think. I just, find it
0: hard to believe that he would listen to something. Like, Bingheim is not one to be like, yeah. all right, fine, I'll read this apology he wrote for me. But uh, No, no, is, that, I don't find that's what I'm that. saying.
1: We never have a quote of him saying it. All we have is the written text online that says Coach Beheim sends out a written apology. And that's his PR people saying, you need to address this. But for me, in my perspective, week after week, not only does he represent Syracuse men's basketball, but he also represents this entire university. He's been on Center twice with Scott Van Pelt, and he continues to make a bad name for Syracuse. Yeah. Look, the football team already crashed and burned at the end of the season with losing six of the last seven games. Now you got SU men's basketball that's having two years in a row. That's really tough. This isn't Miley Cyrus, where she goes from the, the, the good little girl to wrecking ball and then basically finds herself. It feels like Jim Beheim's actual good basketball coaching is out the window, and now he needs to look like Miley Cyrus out here to still gain attention from the news, basically.
0: Only you could compare (laughs) Coach Jim Beheim. To Miley Cyrus like yeah, I, was,
1: <laughs> I Didn't even think about that. It just it just popped in my head I just thought about her swinging on a wrecking ball and that's Jim Bayheim over these last two Post-game press conferences. I mean you got him just coming at student media He from uh, a good question of why have your team? Why has your team not been able to close out games and secondly, where was Benny Williams? You never addressed it and you got hostile and said someone had bad attitude. Oh, uh, no, sir.
0: That that also kind of surprised me and somewhat irked me. Like when he was like, anything was paused. It was a stare down, and it was kind of like a to intimidate him as a right. like as a student reporter. Like I don't know if you didn't recognize him. I don't know that, but to to stare down a new reporter, maybe recognize him, maybe he did not. But to stare him down and be like, you got a bad attitude, and it's like. In, you know, other reporters came to the defense. Some professors here yeah. at Newhouse and Syracuse came to the defense and said, uh, "No, I think it's reversed on that one. That you may have the bad attitude, which I said before is understandable sometimes after a game. And like you brought up earlier today, that you know, uh, Axe brought up that he, he's a different person when he's not in a press conference, which I can totally understand. I have not been around him personally." In, in regular day life, you might be relaxed and fine, but obviously, in that type of environment, in that mindset after a game, if you lost or whatnot, you don't, your first thing is not to go to the media and, and want to talk about how you're feeling, how the game went. You're frustrated. I get that. People in sports get that, but it's part of the job. It comes with the territory that you have to answer questions. And to have, to say, to call out a journalist and say you have a bad attitude, like that could, that could. That could hurt some, a young journalist's career. Like, you Absolutely. you got a bad attitude, and now you're going to have that reputation where a prestigious coach that has been here for years and has all these wins and, and championships. It's like, to say that, I was like, that I, I kind of disagree with to, to call him out on that one. It was a fair question, and I felt like maybe you, you weren't in the right mindset. But to do that, I, I thought was uncalled for. The queen the tweet. I was going to do quote
1: and tweet, and they just came There together. we go. There <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> the tweet. All right, so the tweet that went out from our clip last week that QSportstock.com put out was us discussing Jim Boeheim's last week comment and the fact that student reporters, not to say that we have to tiptoe, but it feels like he's putting that pressure on because he wants to intimidate you and that there should be a balance between respect, there were two people on that thread that were really going at it comment after comment and one person was saying that if if you can't handle it basically get out of the kitchen if you're going to be a crybaby basically mm-hmm. but somebody responded and said well by that meaning what you're saying is jim Bayheim needs to put it pull it together because even after a loss look this is a part of the job you're going to win you're going to lose You got to still do the post-game press conference and look I understand emotions. We've all been there We we talked about Osai last week the player for the Cincinnati Bengals that talked about his teammate that made that late hit Yeah, and your emotions are high things are gonna happen We understand that from a player perspective and from a coach's perspective But at the end of the day By the time you get into the locker room and you have a, a second to reset Jim Boeheim should be fine He has an opportunity to go in the locker room now If if Jim Beheim was saying this stuff, the minute the buzzer goes off and you've got a sideline reporter from ESPN in his face, I'm not saying I'd give him more leeway, but he has time to conduct himself, think about what he wants to say, and then he comes out and makes an opening statement. So at that point, I would think 47 years of doing this, you would have mastered it at this point. So if you're still getting flustered by student media this long into your career, that's on you, not
0: on the person asking the question. That's fair. That it I mean that is fair, and like you you brought this point up earlier in the show is that his name has been coming up in the media recently. You said twice he's been on Scott Van Pelt show for for reacting to student reporters. Like that's not a little bit of a deal. A lot of people watch you know yeah, Scott Van SVP. Pelt on the there. And then now these comments that you have to come out and um we have a uh, someone on um, qsports.com that says don't forget one apology and two retractions Beheim issued. When you have to start doing that, like that's not a great look. I, yeah. When, when you win, that can sweep a lot of things under the rug. Everyone, every sports ha- fan has seen it in every sport across the country, right? Like if winning solves all problems. But when you're not winning and there are struggles, and then you still have these kind of like I don't want to say antics, but you're still in the media and it's not positive, that starts to tip the scale. And now it's like, oh, okay, like is is the juice worth the squeeze on that one? You know so so I'm not sure but it's it hasn't it hasn't been great and I said this on our last show as well that I I try to see it as the glass half full on it like there were the two you know the comments section did get a little active with going back and forth if you're student reporters and you can't handle it then don't you know this this isn't the career for you and we're not saying that but there should be respect mutually both ways and treated as such um, even if we are students um, but I think I said this you know I said this before but it should be used as practice. Um, it should be used when we get out into the real world and we're paid to do this job and a coach snaps at us, it's happened before. Did this, might as well rip off the Band-Aid, get it over with young. You know, in our young career now, right. than, than to you know, be smacked in the face with it when we're at a press conference and we don't know what to do. We're getting this experience here, Newhouse has a great name, and it's like, okay, you've dealt with this before, that's why you have the reputation we do here is that we get the type of access that we do we get the learning experiences and learning experiences come in all different shapes and sizes and forms some are good and some are bad like this one so it's a learning experience take it on the chin okay great had a little confrontation with you know the coach learning experience now when i go on to my career i can be like eh, i've been there before it's happened no biggie and let it roll off your shoulders so yeah i i I think there should be that side of the coin as well and not be so back-and-forth, or black-and-white, or in-between. It's just like, okay, like it happened, it was a learning experience, hopefully, for that student, and hopefully for BAM as well, but that's the way I'm going to look at it.
1: You make a great point, because I think in this industry, in any industry, it's very important to have thick skin. Yeah. You got to be able to take it and you got to be able to give it. Even if you're just joking with friends, yeah. you got to be able to take it and tease one another because that's, that's just how the world goes around. And to go back to what you mentioned on qsports.com where someone commented like he's done two retractions in one apology. Well, I'm sorry, but you say it enough times. How many times are we going to give Beheim this opportunity to apologize? How many times we're going to say, oh, oh, he apologized. It, it doesn't matter what he originally said. No, that that's not the case here, all right? I, I, I'm sorry, but I, it's not that I don't want to defend Jim Beheim and say, oh, he realized his wrongdoings. I think there are second and third and even fourth and fifth chances in life, and you grow from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to the people that have been in Syracuse for years, like Brent Axe, Mike Waters, Uh, Other people, they warn you. They say, "Just so you know,
0: we knew they're coming in here." The reputation. When you come
1: into this post-game press conference, Jim Boeheim is going to have no filter, and he's going to come after you. And he has said things like this before, but it's all been okay because Syracuse wins. But two years in a row, they continue to lose, and he doesn't have any excuses. So I'm sorry to uh, our chat, but too many sorries and retractions. Not good for me. Not good enough for me. But what was good enough was Syracuse on the road this weekend against Boston College. Taking oh, yeah. down the Eagles and quite a matchup and a showdown. Winning that one. 77 to 68. There it is. I found it. You got it. <laughs> and here's, here's the coolest part. Jesse Edwards. Wow, did he have a game. 27 points, four blocks, seven rebounds. The guy shot 12 of 15 from the floor. And was just absolutely
0: phenomenal. Why can't he do that every game? That's what I asked. <laughs> Why can't he do that every game? I saw that, I, I turned in the game and I'm like, where has this Jesse Edwards been? Dominating the pain. absolutely domination the whole game. And I'm like, then look with the look at the results. He plays that way that we know he's capable of. Look at the results. It was really fun to watch. It really was. Like I don't want to bash him. Like he's he's really one of the star players on the team and he showed it. It's just the consistency. That's what separates good players from great players. Consistency of keeping that level of of play up. So hopefully he can for the rest of the season but now that bar has been raised. Stay there. Keep it up there. Keep up that production.
1: And the competition only gets tougher with five games left remaining in the season too. And you, actually there's more than five. You look at who he's went up against with Armando Baycott down low for North Carolina. He's played some taller defenders, a little bit stockier, a little bit bulkier, and it feels like in the moments where he has an opportunity to shine, he kind of crumbles and falls away from it. But in Boston College, he just attacked, and he really went after the basketball and just said, look, I might be a little bit more skinny and lengthier than you, but that's not going to matter tonight. I'm going to come at you with everything that I got, and he puts up a career high. I mean, the guy... We know his talent and what he can do. He played with Nikola Jokic over the summer, mm-hmm. and I think he's someone that you know could get some draft prospects. But he's he's got to believe in himself and be confident like he was against Boston College. And Syracuse could really have something good, you know, going down the stretch of this game.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a little tidbit because because our, our dear friend and also reporter student reporter uh, Sammy Saint Jean was able to go out to Boston College and cover the game. And I, I got to talk to him at the women's game, actually, and, and asked him, like, how, like, Jesse Edwards, like, he went off. Like, what was up with that? He gave me a little tidbit, a little sneak peek, <laughs> and some information. He might call in later, so I don't want to use up his tidbit. If he does call in, Sam, if you're listening, please do. Um, but he gave a little tidbit of why Jesse Edwards may have had a little more motivation on this one. So he might, he might have that.
1: He might, he might. So that's the best part. We're going to take a quick break right now here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. When we come back, we'll hear from Sammy St. Jean, who was at the game and got to witness Jesse Edwards dominating live and in person. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We're talking Syracuse men's hoops. This is Newhouse at Night. Here
0: tomorrow's star broadcasters today, live on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio Syracuse. Hour two of New House
2: at Night on this beautiful Tuesday night in central New York is underway alongside Sam Reese. I'm Adam Gacken. It's a pleasure to be with you all as always here on our 78 p.m. slot on Tuesday nights on ESPN, Syracuse, and QSportstalk.com. We have got a loaded show today. Crossover season underway with lacrosse getting going. We'll talk about the men's lacs opening game. That happened back on Saturday, a little bit later in the show. But we'll start things off talking basketball. First, the men's. We'll get on the women's later. But now, let's start things off. Men's basketball, their last game against Boston College, came back on Saturday. And a win for the men. A win. Yeah, I mean, that's, win. that's all you can say, right? A win.
3: Exactly. At this point in the season, I guess you could say a win is a win, Adam. And, and that kind of leads to my overall takeaway from uh, Syracuse's visit to Chestnut Hill. The fact of the matter is, it wasn't necessarily a pretty performance throughout the whole 40 minutes from the Orange. But a big positive is that they finished the game strong, which is something they couldn't do recently uh, against tougher opponents, I know. But it's still promising to see that they were actually... Actually, able to finish a game strong and really put their foot on the gas to finish off the Eagles over the weekend uh, because that was something I wasn't sure this team was capable of doing based on the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, it was just nice to see them get back into the win column after Three losses in a row to the two Virginia squads in North Carolina. It was really a must-win game for Syracuse. It feels like almost every game for the remainder right. of the yeah, season point, is a must-win yeah. game. But they got it done, and it was Jesse Edwards who really dominated. 27 points for the big man. Not a double-double. Only finished with, what, seven rebounds? Yes, but yeah. 27 points for him. 39 minutes played. What do you have to say about the big man's performance, Sam? Yeah, I mean,
3: Jesse Edwards was absolutely spectacular over the weekend. And... He really is an interesting player, especially this season where there has been a bit of inconsistency to his game. But Saturday was another reminder, Adam, that he can be an absolute beast when he plays at his best. And in regards to saying that You know, uh, Edwards is is back. I don't know if he was ever gone because he's been quite a confusing player based on some of the inconsistencies we've seen throughout the season. Uh, But I thought he uh, obviously he played a very good game and I thought a big part of of his solid performance, a key to it, I should say, was his off-the-ball movement. That was something I really focused on watching him on Saturday. I thought overall, compared to some of the past performances where he scored in the single digits over the last few weeks, uh, he moved off the ball a lot better to create opportunities from himself, create those alley oops for easy flushes. And when you're a player as tall as Jesse Edwards, it's all about creating those easy points. And when you move off the ball better to create those opportunities for yourself. The rest of your teammates are going to find you in an easier way for those slam dunks. He had plenty of those. I thought he was a bit more aggressive too, but it all starts with the off the ball movement in my opinion for Edwards.
2: I want to go back to something that you said about 30-45 seconds ago at the beginning of when you were talking. Mm -hmm. You said that you never felt like Jesse Edwards left. I did. did. He left the court at some points because he was getting into foul trouble. Only 24 minutes played against Virginia Tech, 32 against UNC 27 against Georgia Tech mm-hmm. he's expected to play pretty much the entire game yep. that is not anywhere close to the entire game that's because he was getting into foul trouble that's fair. he was fouling out almost every single game at one point he mm-hmm. fouled out against Georgia Tech or he fouled out against North Carolina sorry he had four against Georgia Tech he had four against Virginia Tech fouled out against Virginia he was getting into foul trouble every single game only three against BC His best ability is his availability, and when Edwards is able to stay on the floor and when he's able to stay aggressive because he doesn't have three fouls at the start of the game, that's when he can truly be a difference maker.
3: Well, I was just going to actually say that, and that's a really good point you bring up when Jesse Edwards is not in foul trouble which he has been so much way too often it's almost every game so when he's not in foul trouble it does free him up a little bit Uh, because when he was in those games late down the stretch where he was in foul trouble we saw him play a little bit more conservatively even on offense because he didn't want to commit that charge and that was leading him to kind of get stuck in one on one situations where he didn't know what to do should he attack the basket kick it out but in the game like B.C. where he was in foul trouble. He had more of an ability to be aggressive, assert his dominance down in the post, get those buckets uh, down down up close to the basket. So, that's a good point because I think that just freed
2: him up a little bit, allowed him to play to his full capability. Absolutely. And this was the most points that he scored all season up at 27. It's the first time he's over 20 points since the Miami game. And this is kind of crazy to say only the fourth time all season he scored more than 20 points. Wow. What do you think of Edwards, his season overall? Because coming in, people were talking about him maybe even battling Baycott for the top center in the ACC because we saw a lot of improvements when he was playing with the Netherlands over the summer coming off of the injury. A lot of people were saying that ceiling is sky high for Edwards where do you think he's been so far and what do you think his ceiling is for the remainder of this season we've got about a month to go hopefully they're still playing in a little more than a month which would mean that they can make it far in the tournament but hopefully i don't want to get into that yet you know i don't want to get into that yet
3: little foreshadowing we'll see but yeah i mean it's interesting with jesse edwards i i don't know personally and maybe i if i look back before the season started Maybe I have adjusted my expectations with him a little bit as the season's gone on, but I don't necessarily think I've done that. Uh, Maybe other people had higher expectations for Jesse Edwards than I did. Yes, I expected him to be one of the leaders of this team, a star player. I don't know coming in if if I was expecting him to be at a level like Armando Baycott. I'm not so sure about that. So I think Jesse Edwards has been has been solid has been good this season of course there's been some stretches of the season where it's been a little bit frustrating with him but in my opinion there's only a certain amount of criticism that you can throw in his that you can throw his way i mean on paper he's been solid for this team i i really do think that and of course He's capable of a little bit more in the overall scheme of things than what he's produced uh, this season so far. But I don't think you can criticize him too much. I mean, he, he was returning from an injury. And yes, over the summer, he played some national team ball to get him prepared for the season. Uh, but, you know, that's a process to get back into the groove of things. And I think he sort of gradually did that this season and has done his job for the most part. I really do think that way. And I'm not saying you're being too harsh on him for his past performances. But it's a matter of thinking. I thought of believing that I thought this is about the level Jesse Edwards would be at. I do wish that he could put in performances like like he did against BC on a more consistent basis. But you hit the nail on the head, mentioning that the foul trouble has been a big thing hindering him. So if he can keep those fouls down. I think there's no reason why Edwards shouldn't be scoring more more than 20 points a game going forward down the final stretch of the season. I really
2: do believe that. Well, moving away from Edwards and the veterans and now moving more towards the freshmen, Mm -hmm. we've already seen one change in the starting lineup in the past month with Benny Williams being taken out, Malik Brown going in. Is there another one in store? The one that I've been thinking about is, is it time for Justin Taylor to take over Chris Bell? If we go back to the last game, 26 minutes for Taylor, just 11 for Bell. JT finished with nine points, two rebounds. Chris Bell finished with no points and two rebounds. Do you think you can put Justin Taylor in in the starting lineup? Is that going a bit too small for you? Where do you stand on that thought?
3: I think it's a good idea. I do. Yeah. I, 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 I'm I'm leaning towards Justin Taylor getting put into the starting five. And, and here's why. I mean, you just brought up the stats that kind of prove it. Chris Bell has simply not been doing enough to earn a starting spot. I'm sorry to say it. There's been a few games where he gets hot for a few minutes from beyond the arc. But the fact of the matter is, there's also been two games out of the last three where he's had ten, at least 10 minutes on the floor and has scored zero points. I mean, that's really not acceptable for a starter. He's getting opportunities and just not taking advantage of it. And on the other hand, it's Justin Taylor who yes, you know, he's a little small, but He can shoot the ball very well. I mean he's been providing a spark off the bench for this team. There's no denying it. You said it. nine points against BC and then looking back at that loss against Virginia Tech, Taylor was actually a bright spot scoring 12 points in the 26 minutes he got. I really like the play of Justin Taylor. I think he brings a lot of energy off the bench and sometimes when this team is in a little bit of of a slump, I feel like he's the one who can spark a run due to his outside shooting. Uh, So both players can shoot well from beyond the arc, but as of late it's been Taylor who's been performing better, and for that reason I think he should be in the starting
2: 5 for Syracuse. Well, we'll see what happens. The Orange have Florida State up next when we come back from our first break. Sam and I will be breaking down all things when it comes to the Seminoles, and you don't want to go anywhere. You're listening to Newhouse at Night on ESPN Syracuse and QsportsTalk.com.